0: Stephen's point. this morning we're going to take a look at uh, the Christmas story a little series uh, entitled Preparing for Christmas and we're going to be looking at the uh, Christmas stories told by Luke for the most part here. Luke gives us the most details of any of the gospel writers about the, uh, the entire Christmas story and we pick up the story in Luke the first chapter starting in verse 5. And it says this, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Actually, all the descendants of Aaron were the ones who were responsible for the priestly duties in the church. Uh, at that time, it was just those that were the descendants of Aaron. And uh, a lot of times they would take turns rotating and, and dealing with the priestly duties uh, uh, at the temple well he goes on to write he says both of them were upright in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly now think about that if you all you got to do is flip through the Old Testament look at some of the uh, Old Testament rules and regulations they were (laughs) quite the handful and uh, can be uh, pretty difficult to deal with you know not exactly freeing and empowering but yet they obeyed all of these rules Uh, blamelessly they did the right thing they were good people they loved God they were full of faith and uh, they honored the Lord in everything that they did but look at the very next verse it starts with the word but why would that be? because the assumption is that because they loved God and served God and and Zechariah was one of the priests and and they were faithful in all this time but their life still had not been completely blessed. And it goes on to explain, it says that they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. They were up there. All right, now here they'd been trusting God and praying, I'm sure, for many, many years about this situation. A few things are more heartbreaking than uh, a couple who uh, desperately want to have children And are unable to have children. But this was 2,000 years ago. This was really beyond just heartbreaking. There was actually a stigma that would be attached to a family. uh, When they weren't able to uh, have children. Particularly for the woman. And it was very humiliating and a shame to them. This was a, a heavy burden. I do not doubt but they had prayed for many, many, many years. Through their 20s. Through their 30s through their 40s, uh, doesn't say exactly how old they are here, but uh, well along in years, probably six of them at least in their 50s plus, and no answer, and I'm sure that they had pretty much given up on the prayer. Well, going on with the story, it says that uh, once Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, so it was their turn to, to go serve during his priestly roles, And he was chosen by Lot, the Bible says, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So these guys came together. It was their custom. Someone had to go in and offer up incense before the Lord in this very sacred place. And they picked Lot's and Zechariah fell to him. So he went in and everybody else just stood outside. And were very reverent before the Lord in praying. So he goes into this place all by himself. And Luke tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now when Zechariah saw him, it scared the bejeebers out of him. And he was gripped with fear. I know what it's like, you know, all of us pretty much, you know, you ever walk into a room when you thought you were by yourself? And then you turn around, and, zah! You know there's somebody else there. Well, this is the situation. He goes in there. Nobody's supposed to be able to go in there. He's in there by himself, and all of a sudden he looks up, and there's this guy standing here, and it freaks him out. But this angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Now, this is going to be John, whom we refer to as John the Baptist." This is the guy who comes and he prepares the nation of Israel for the Lord Jesus to, uh, to do his ministry. He's the one who prepared the way. He went through the countryside telling people to repent and get it together. And, and he was the one who even identified Jesus as the Christ. When he saw him, he told everybody, look, here is the Lamb of God who's going to take away all the sins of the world. And then he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. So this is this is John the Baptist we're talking about here. But the guy starts out and says, Hey, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. My prayer has been heard? What prayer? My guess is they had given up on those prayers a long time ago and had moved on. But all of a sudden this angel shows up and says, Hey, your prayers have been heard. And, you know, sometimes there seems to be a time disjuncted thing in prayer. You ever notice that? I mean God's timing is not necessarily our timing. Our timing pretty much is now. And when we pray, God, do this now. You know, we want something to happen right away. And and a lot of times the prayers don't happen right now, but the prayers still happen. Oftentimes I, I don't know about you, but it is, as long as I've been uh, doing this, sometimes I get answers to a prayer that I forgot I'd even prayed for. And then all of a sudden you see this answer and it's like, wow, it's like God all of a sudden brings this thing together in your life. Well, we talked a little bit about this on uh, on our Wednesday night Bible study. And if you haven't had a chance to attend our Wednesday night Bible study, you ought to come. It's really a scream and it's great. And we really get a chance to just get into the Bible. And, and uh, you know, we just sing two songs and the rest of it's just the Bible. We'll take a, a book of the Bible and we'll go through it verse by verse one at a time and we encourage people to bring their Bibles on Wednesday night. Don't just look at the big Bible on the sky here. Just bring your Bibles with you because you get a chance to actually follow along and learn something and see the context. You know, where have we been? Where are we going? Uh, and, and we take things and we, we twirl them around and we look at it from different angles and it's a great way to really, really learn the Bible. Uh, So let me encourage you about that. But anyway, we just finished our study on on Galatians, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian uh, believers. And at the end of this, Paul writes, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I talked about being consistent and faithful and and doing the right things and and, and in prayer. But I also challenged people. I said, you know, um, at some point... It's good to move on, particularly if uh, you know you're trying. I, I, I share the story about some guys that I know that you know they, they feel called to the ministry and their whole life goes by and nothing ever happens and they get fired from every church they ever go to and they keep pushing the the issue and you think you know maybe maybe God isn't in this. Maybe you should uh, to move on in this. Uh, you know I use the analogy in the first service of you know if your, your dream is to be a NASCAR driver. And you're 55 years of age and you've yet to pass the driver's exam and you don't even have a license yet. Might want to move on with that dream, you know. <laughs> Maybe this isn't for you, you know what I'm saying? Or those people like that, they grab something and they just stick with it, stick with it in, in the face of anything else. To the point I think that they kind of, you know, uh, kind of mess their lives up a little bit. They're, they're, they, they need to... Follow in a direction where where God is directing and and moving in their life. It's really a tricky question we're talking about here. Because on the one hand, the Bible tells us not to give up. And on the other hand, uh, at some point, you know, you need to move on if if there's some big delays. And, um, you know, there's a big difference between giving up and surrendering. I'm not talking about giving up in your faith. I'm talking about having an attitude of surrender in your life, that's really what I'm talking about, there's a big difference between giving up, which the Bible says don't do, and having an attitude of surrender, which the Bible does encourage us to do, about surrendering our will to to the will of God, Um, giving up, you know, creates uh, bitterness, disappointment, you lose hope, why try, what's the purpose, I mean a lot of people get angry at God, when they don't get what they've been praying for, what they've been trusting for, what they've been fasting for, all these things. And, and, and then they give up and they become bitter and angry and rah, the world's all nasty and, to them. But what I'm talking about is this surrender. In, in surrender, you keep hope even without your answer. You maintain your relationship. And most importantly, you stay content, willing to do whatever God's will is in your life. You see, oftentimes answers can't come to us because we don't have an attitude of surrender. In fact, the problem is this. We often desire the thing more than God himself. And in a way it becomes an idol to us and God is not going to give you a prayer that replaces him as the most important thing in your life. We often find ourselves desiring the gift more than the giver. And nobody wants to be thought of that way. We're getting ready to enter a time of giving, uh, you know, and and sharing. And it's fun to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And it's fun to do these things. But nobody wants to be just thought of as a way to get something. You know, gee, I don't really like you, but could I have that thing you're going to give me? You know, nobody likes being treated that way. And certainly God doesn't want to be treated that way. And when we place so much importance on what we want... That we get angry at God when we don't get it. That's when you're not going to get an answer. Because what you want is more important than even your relationship with God. And you can get in big trouble. When you let go though. When you're willing to do God's will more than your own. Then the answer can come. Even though it may be delayed in your life. The The truth of the matter is you're more interested in your relationship with God. Than what you can get from God and this is really important because a lot of people really do approach God kind of like a Santa Claus you know what I'm saying kind of like a bank teller you know I'd like to withdraw this and and don't misunderstand me Jesus encouraged people to, to ask and to pray and he's always egging people on ask God, ask God, ask God Okay. but you need to be careful God is not just here to be a bank teller for you he is God He needs to be respected, he needs to be loved, and he needs to be cherished as God. And if you desire stuff from God more than God Himself, and the test of that is how angry do you get when you don't get it, see, then you're in dangerous territory. I talk about Moses. You know, Moses is a guy that, you know, God had protected him as a young child, he was raised in Pharaoh's household. God had set him aside to deliver the nation of Israel from the oppressive slavery that they had been in for hundreds of years. And as a young man, I'm sure he felt inside that burning desire to rescue his people, to be this liberator and this deliverer that God had put in his heart. But oftentimes we act a little too early and can get in the way of things. Certainly Moses did that. He's walking along one day and the Bible says that he saw some Egyptian being very harsh to one of the Jewish slaves. Moses stepped in and interceded and got in a big fight with a guy and killed the guy that was trying to hurt this Jew. Well, you would think, he would think that the people would celebrate him as a deliverer and would be excited about him. But they didn't. They pointed at him out is you're a guy that killed that guy you're a murderer you're gonna kill us too they, they didn't realize who he was and what God had, had, had put in his heart and and he winds up having to run for his life and he winds up in the back side of the desert for 40 years 40 years Good night. I know a lot of people that freak out after 40 minutes. They don't get their answer from God. Where are you, God? What is all this about? 40 days. 40 months would cause most of us to completely lose our faith. But here is a man who 40 years had surrendered his will to God. He says, Was he bitter? No, he wasn't bitter. There's was a difference between giving up and surrendering he surrendered probably figured he'd really blown it say, so how do you know that because when he encountered God at the burning bush he didn't yell at God he wasn't angry at God God where were you how come you didn't help me out I had to run for my life there wasn't any of that talk there was simply a willingness to to worship God and then God says I want you to go back tell him let my people go and he said no no you, you don't want me You know, I'm a geezer now. It's too late for me. I already blew it. You know, I said the wrong things, did the wrong things. And God said, no, you're the one. And of course, we know that Moses goes back and becomes this incredible deliverer. Um, I relate a lot to the story of Moses only from the standpoint of I know what it's like to have a dream deferred for many, many years. And then God to give you the dream later, especially after you thought it was too late for you. All my life as a young man, I had a desire in my heart to do what i 'm doing today, which is to pastor wonderful people like you uh, and uh, But nobody really saw that dream in me. in fact, a lot of people still don 't see it in me. <laughs> How pathetic is that you know but uh, uh, you know they didn 't see it um, they got very little encouragement frankly i can 't think of any encouragement I ever got as a young man along these lines nobody. ...really saw me in that light... ...but I I could feel it on the inside... ...I just... ...but but nobody else saw it... I I got discouraged... ...by the time I turned 30 years of age... ...I got out of the ministry... ...I hadn't given up... ...we weren't angry at God... ...we weren't bitter... ...we weren't... ...you know, we stayed very involved... ...and active in the church... ...and and continued to... uh, ...serve God as believers... ...and we started our own business... ...and raised our kids... ...and for 17 years... ...you know, considering 40... ...I got a bargain... ...for 17 years... Uh, just doing other stuff other than what inside I would have really loved to have done. Um, and then at the end of those years, our kids had graduated from from school and and left the house. And and you know, I I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, maybe maybe we need to to get back into pastoring. Maybe I I miss that, you know, and because a lot of things were closing in on us, you know, I'm not the most spiritual guy in the world in terms of hearing voices and stuff, a lot of people say, well God told me this, God told me that, that must be great you know, I, I, you know, I don't know, either that or you're nuts but, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, one or the other but I, I don't hear a lot of that, my, my way, God dealing me is he, is he just points me in directions and, you know, he, he shuts every window and door in the house and opens up one door and then lights the house on fire and then I feel led to go through the door. You know, what else am I going to do? <laughs> and everything was burning and all the windows and doors were shut. And then I looked and the pastoring door was still open. And I said, maybe, maybe we should do this over here. And and she looked at me like I was nuts, you know. And, and uh, I didn't know what else to do. So we we uh, I didn't know anybody. I'd been out of ministry so long. The only guy I'd met over the previous years was Arnie Jacobson Pastor Arnie who started this church and I called him I sent him a letter actually I said hey do you know anybody who could use a Puerto Rican piano player and uh, and he calls me back he says I could use you so uh, we came over here and got involved here and we were just working part time for the church and playing piano involved in, in the worship ministry and stuff And it had been a year or so since I was here he, Pastor Arnie comes to me one day and says hey do you ever preach and I went no, I don't know I, I guess I, I don't know I I suppose I could you know And uh, so he had me speak at a men's Bible study one day, and and he started to encourage me. He was really the first guy in my life, honestly, and I appreciate him for that, who looked at me and, and saw something that apparently very few people ever saw. And he started encouraging me, and and uh, and this dream started coming alive inside of me, and and uh, this connecting with you, a lot of you guys pulled this out of me as as you responded and stuff, and and I got very excited. I thought, well, I'm 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 going for, it. I'm finally going to go for it. It took me several years before I had enough courage. I thought, okay, this is it, and and I'm going to find a church, and I'm going to be a pastor. And I sent my resumes all over the country, and and uh, and uh, and nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And right about this time, I met uh, Pastor Lathan. Um, my uh, son was dating his daughter, and they were decided to get married. So the in-laws met. You know that glorious meeting. And uh, uh, and that's that's how we first met. And a lot of people, you know, I've had people say, "Well, you know, you you hired him because he's he's a he's a relative." No, no, think that through. Picture your parents and your spouse's parents together closely not a pretty picture for most people you know what I'm saying that's not usually the plan to go the the reason I uh, brought Lathan is because when I went down there I started sharing with him the dream that I had in my heart and he could see it and he started encouraging me he was believing in this when nobody else would believe in fact the only two people who really believed in this was pretty much me and him (laughs) (laughs) This is, you know, and we started looking and we started looking and every place we went, there was just no, 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 no. And I even went to this, sent something to this one church, it was like in the middle of nowhere, just corn and this town and, uh, and, and it's a dork ball town. And even they said no to me, you know, I mean, there's nothing. And I was so discouraged and I thought, oh, and I thought, you know, the problem is, is I, I waited too long. I missed it. I and I remember going to a conference. Deb and I were in a, some pastors' conference in Palm Springs, California, whatever. And, and uh, one night I was just off by myself, just walking around. Nobody could see me and stuff. And and I was just thinking about what I wanted to do and how it had been too late for me and how I'd blown it. And 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 I just stood there, just crying, you know, which, which you can do if nobody can see you. You know, guys, we can only do that in private you see a lady crying in public everybody's oh you look at a guy crying in public it's like what's the matter with you you know what I'm saying? so you gotta you got be very careful as a man to be crying so some of them just crying for me. so I wasn't angry I wasn't mad at God I was just kind of heartbroken because I and I remember just just totally surrendering to him and said Lord it's okay I guess I'll I'll never do this and I just need to be content with where I'm at and and pushing the tears back and stuff and um you know, and several months later all of a sudden Pastor Arnie comes to me and he says, There's this church in Stevens Point you need to go to and uh we weren't excited about this. When we were thinking church we were thinking more Miami. You know. <laughs> phoenix you know stay in wisconsin wasn't the, the, the number one plan and we didn't want to go back to central wisconsin we went back screaming and crawling and you know ah! but we went there and and god started blessing it and started taking off and and uh, right about this time i was also trying to do the laugh your way thing and trying to help couples and that was a struggle and that wasn't working but all of a sudden this church thing starts taking off and people are responding and i remember meeting with uh some of the some of my key people on staff and I said you know let's, let's just let's stop this couples thing let's just focus on the church let's just let this other thing go because it's just not working and uh, so we agreed just, I said you know we already had three other events to finish out that year um, was, we we're like three weeks away from the final three events I said let's finish the three events and then let's just go and, and, and just quit trying so hard because it was so hard we tried tried, nothing would happen and people would hardly come and you know when we just have, at this church it was great but everywhere else it was a struggle so uh, so we kind of gave up on that, just surrendered that to the Lord, and we came to the first event, which was in Appleton, and uh, we did this event, and when we got there, the place was sold out, packed out. They couldn't let anybody else, anybody else who came, they had to turn them away, because you couldn't get another human being into the place. And I'm just looking at these people thinking, wow, you actually came. And, uh, and, and we did our thing, and then the next weekend, um, we had an event at a, at a hotel in Wausau, Wisconsin, and 430 people showed up for a room that could only hold 400, and the uh, hotel ran out of chairs. They pulled chairs from the bars. everywhere. Were, there were people who literally paid money to come and stood along the back wall at this event. And I'm thinking, well, now why are they coming? You know, because we've finally given up on this. You know what I'm saying? And, and then the next week we were in Rockford, Illinois, and hundreds of couples filled this big church. And I'm just thinking, ah, <coughs> this is so weird. Now they're coming. and and I thought well maybe we should keep doing this too and it's, it's like when you start letting go of things it's like God can start blessing you and using you and making some of your prayers come to pass and it's certainly what happened in my case something amazing happens when a person willingly lays down their wants and desires at the foot of the cross and says Lord not my will but yours be done Jesus whatever you want from me and uh you know, even physically, I, I believe things happen. You know, a great analogy is uh, you know, you hear about these couples who desperately want to have children and they can't have children, and then they finally adopt a child. What well, happens usually right away then? The girl gets pregnant. Isn't that wild? This happens all the time. And uh, why? Because there's something, when you want something so badly, even something like that, even physically, whether you're a believer or not, it gets in the way of what you want. There, there's a freedom that comes from just letting go, and it's okay, and 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 uh, not just physically, but particularly spiritually, some miracle starts to happen happen on the inside. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew the 10th chapter. He said, "Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. As much as you should even love your father and mother." And then he goes on even further than that. He says, "Anyone who loves a son or daughter." more than me, well wait a minute, God I love my children, what are you saying, you can't love them more than me, and he goes even further anyone who doesn't take up his cross willing to lose his life for me, and follow me is not worthy, now you're really getting personal one thing mom and dad, now my kids, now me I've got to be willing to die and he says this, whoever finds his life will lose it, whoever tries to cling to life, and I want it so bad I want it so bad, these are the ones who never get it But the ones who will freely lose their lives for my sake he says will find it. Wow. Easier to talk about than to do I got to tell you. It hurts. It's painful. But better to freely surrender in tears to a God you know that loves you than to fight and fight so desperately for something and get in the way of God even moving in your life. True surrender is the key Through experiencing God's miracles in your life. The angel comes to Zechariah and says, Your prayers have been answered. Prayers no doubt they had given up on a long, long time ago. And this disjuncted time frame. My prayers have been answered. What are you talking about? These prayers, we let go of that stuff a long time ago. He says, No, your prayers have been answered. Your wife Elizabeth is going to give birth. Quite the miracle for the... Aged girl, and he talks about. He says, "This child will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth." What was Zechariah's response to all this? We'll take a look at that next week as we continue to look at this message of preparing for Christmas. I'm going to ask our ushers to come uh, ready to serve communion. Our musicians to come back back to the platform trusting God sometimes even in the midst of adversity, sometimes you can be really trusting God and all of a sudden everything seems to go wrong things get harder for you you're trusting God and believing God and all of a sudden you hit adversity things start going wrong and you can't even do what you want to do what do you do then? you still stay in that attitude of surrender you've got to understand he has control of all this there's a wonderful joy that comes from that I'm telling you, it's wonderful the Bible calls it dying to yourself dying to yourself there's a wonderful freedom that you experience in death when you're dead, nothing bothers you you're very patient people can poke you with sticks it doesn't irritate you even why? because you're dead there's a freedom that comes in death well, there's a freedom that comes in dying to those things that you want. Does it mean that you still don't want them? No, you still want them. I'm sure in his heart of hearts, Zechariah still wanted that little boy. Elizabeth, in her heart of hearts, wanted that little boy. And we'll, we'll look at her response when when we hear what happens. In my heart, I still desired what God had put in my heart to do. But not to the point that I was angry at God or became more important than God, there. You still have to be able to surrender to Him. God, whatever You want in my life, and I can tell you in my life, I, I I've just been amazed at. Uh, I'll be 53 tomorrow. We take Visa and American Express. But I'm just teasing. I'm I'm on the verge of geezerhood at at this age in my life after being out of ministry for so long to see so many things come together and see this incredible church grow and all that's going and and ministry all around the country and stuff, I'm experiencing a dream that I thought was long dead, long gone, way past me. but what makes that dream a reality even though it doesn't even make any sense anymore and you think it's too late for you is that attitude of Jesus I surrender to you it doesn't matter more than anything I just want you I want your will in my life then the freedom comes and the joy can come are you preparing for Christmas this year? you know a lot of us are busy running around buying things and decorating the house and all those things are wonderful they're great they're fun the parties all the plans but the most important preparation you can make is preparing inside where you at in your life are you hopeful are you content even in the midst of adversity are you still content even when things aren't going the way they should even when the dreams and the prayers that you want haven't been answered yet are you angry at God or are you content even without your answer yet you know Jesus prayed in the garden very intensely garden of Gethsemane we're we're celebrating communion here this night that he first did this after taking communion he went and he prayed in the garden and he was praying so intensely God, Father please let this pass for me I don't want to go through this but he ends it with but not my will yours be done And Jesus was obedient even unto the death of the cross. And on that cross, he made it possible for us to have forgiveness of sins. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world as John the Baptist had prophesied about him. You know, the Christmas story can be summed up pretty much in these simple words. God so loved you and me that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish But have everlasting life. Have you put your faith. In Christ this morning. Let's bow our heads. As we pray. And get ready to take communion. Have you surrendered your life to him? Are you willing to turn away. From the wrong in your life. And put your faith in Christ. Are you willing to serve him. No matter what it costs you. Who it associates you with. Or who it separates you from. Are you willing to be obedient to him. Even if you don't get everything you want in life are you willing to surrender if you're willing to surrender this morning I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with us and if you'll open up your heart and ask Christ into your life you can begin this miracle walk of faith let's pray this together say dear Jesus I believe you are the son of God that you love me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment I ask you to come into my heart And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.